saved. I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. And I'm glad for the promise that we have. If you are saved, hope that we have beyond this life. I'm glad there is a sweet forever for the people of God. And I thank the Lord for that. I'm glad there's hope beyond this life. Paul said if we had hope in Christ in this life only, we'd be of all men most miserable. And uh, there's a lot of people that are walking around in these days and they act like they're a miserable bunch of people. And I'm afraid one of the main reasons for that is all their hope is tied up in this life. And uh, there's no hope, no hope at all in this life, really. Uh, There's certainly no eternal hope and uh, nothing that will carry you through. But I'm glad I know not only something, a lot of people major on things, but I'm glad I know someone who will carry me through. I thank the Lord for that, and it was mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour, I'm glad he's on our side, and I thank the Lord for that, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Paul said, there's but one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, and I'm glad he's on our side. One writer wrote, and I don't even know who it was, and I don't know much about him, but the words of the song are good, and uh, they used to sing it in the church I grew up in. And uh, the writer said he took my case, and I'm glad he did. And uh, I'm glad I read yesterday, I don't remember who it was that had mentioned it. Might have been Brother Chris Kitchens, I think, maybe it was the one, and uh, was, was making a comment or uh, rewriting or renaming what another brother had said. He said, no doubt they'll probably, when we get to heaven, we'll come from all walks of life. There'll probably be some lawyers in heaven, but he said there'll only be one that's in practice, and that'll be the Lord. And I'm glad he is our great advocate, our mediator. He never has lost a case, and I'm glad and thankful for that this morning. Glad I belong to him, and uh, glad I'm in the family of God. If you have a copy of the Word of God this morning and want to turn with us, we'll be in the book of Exodus chapter number 32, Exodus chapter number 32. Appreciate you again for being in the house of God. If you're visiting, we welcome you. And I want you to feel right at home in the service as the Lord will allow you to do so. And I trust that we've all just come to get in and get whatever it is that the Lord has for us today and leave better than we come. I'm glad that is a possibility. And there should be an expectation, I believe, when we come to the house of God is that the Lord would meet with us and help us and that we'd go out better than we come in. And that's my heart's desire and my hope and trust this morning. I trust you feel the same, that we'd just get whatever it is the Lord would have for us to have today. Exodus 32, when you found your place, if you're able, willing to do so, we'll stand together. Of course, by standing, we're just showing reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Exodus chapter 32 No doubt this is familiar scripture, at least in record unto us. We know what's taken place. The Lord has brought Israel out of the land of Egypt. They are at this time making their journey toward the land of Canaan, the land of promise. Of course, that was the word of God from the beginning, that he would bring them out to bring them in. And uh, they are in the wilderness at this point. And uh, Moses has went up to the mountain. God's called him up there. 
uh, to commune and fellowship with him. Of course, he's going to give him the law while he's up there. And of course, in there, in his absence, the people have went to Aaron and uh, said, we don't know what's happened to Moses, but we need you to make us some gods that we can serve them in the absence of Moses. And so, of course, we know the scripture that the people bring uh, their earrings and their gold and Aaron takes them and makes a calf. And they begin to worship and uh, dance and sing before this calf and the noise is heard in uh, the mountain where Moses is with God. The Bible said in verse number 15 of Exodus 32, Moses turned and went down from the mount and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides, on the one side, and on the other were they written. The tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. He said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. It came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. and He cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people, that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us, For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. When Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp. And said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side. Go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp. Slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. The children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, we said already that we know the context of the Scripture and we know what's brought us to this point in the Word of God. 
And uh, for me to be honest with you this morning, this is uh, somewhat a difficult scripture and a difficult record to read from the Word of God. That uh, on two parts, at least for me, number one, that so soon the Lord had delivered them out of their bondage and their affliction that they could turn their back so quickly upon the Lord. I believe it brings to light the reality that is emphasized many times in the New Testament that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. And there can be no confidence placed in the flesh. Moses has only been gone a few days after God has used Moses. Of course, we know and understand that it was not Moses that delivered the people of God, but it was God by his power and by his might brought out the people of God under the leadership and the direction of Moses. Now Moses has only been gone for a few days. He gives them commandment that he's going to be gone and for them to watch and, and to pray and consider not to come to the mound and all the things that are going on up there. And just a few days have passed and the people of God turn to Aaron. Moses leaves Aaron in charge while he's gone. And they say, make us gods. And Aaron makes this camp and they begin to cry that this is the God that brought us up out of Egypt. And they know for a fact it was not a golden calf that brought them out of Egypt, but it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That it showed itself mighty and powerful. And that's a reality for our life. If we're not careful, we'll put too much confidence in the flesh and it'll cause us great calamity and trouble in our life. And so it's disturbing. It bothers me to read this passage of Scripture and see how quickly the people of God turn out of the way. But all through the, not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament, we find many occasions in which the people of God swiftly or quickly turn aside to the wrong way. Paul came to the church at Galatia he said, oh foolish Galatians, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel to another gospel which is not another. That's how our flesh operates. If we follow the will and the wants and the wishes and the desires of our flesh instead of the leadership of the Spirit of God leading us and living in us, it will quickly lead us out of the way that God wants us to go. And so I am bothered by how quickly they move. But I'm also bothered at what takes place here that the people of God, the sons of Levi, go throughout the camp and kill their brethren, their neighbors, their companions. That's what the Bible said. 3,000 of the people of God fall because of their sin. I want to say and I understand that we have to be careful that we're dealing with Old Testament Scripture and we're in a New Testament age. But I believe the application here is that your sin will cost you. It did for the people of God on this day and there are many occasions that we can reference in the New Testament age when the sins of the people of God cost them greatly. 
But I'm interested this morning, and it's no coincidence how the Lord just organized it and laid it all together that in the Sunday school hour, the word kept coming up about the Lord being on our side. And I'm interested this morning in verse 26 of the question that Moses stands after all of this has happened. The calf has been burnt in the fire and ground to powder and the people have been made to drink it and they know that they have been enlightened and it's been revealed to them of their wrongdoing and that the price of their sin is coming upon them swiftly and that there'll be consequences for their sin for the first commandment that God gave them is thou shalt have no other gods before me and Moses the Bible said stands in the gate of the camp and he asked this question who is on the Lord's side that's what I want to preach on this morning God help me who is on the Lord's side now I want to say in these days it seems like the majority of people's lives are spent finding some side to get on. That everybody is in the business of choosing sides. And then when they choose a side, they spend, and I'm talking about naturally speaking, they spend all of the rest of their days criticizing the other side. We're seeing it. I'm not going to preach politically, but we're seeing it. It's already begun. Everybody's choosing a side. Some say this side will fix our problems. Others say this side will fix our problems. And if you're on this side, on the right, then you're going to spend all your day criticizing the ones who are on the left. And if you're on the left, you're going to spend all your days criticizing the ones who are on the right. But the reality is, there's only one side that will fix the problem. And that's the Lord's side. It doesn't matter what our political affiliation, it doesn't matter what our standing in society, it doesn't matter what class we belong to, it doesn't matter any of that, none of that matters. But the only thing that's going to matter in light of all eternity is whether or not you're on the Lord's side. Now I want to say, thank God this morning, if you're saved, He's on your side. And that is a benefit, or or that comes right along, that's a given. If you're on the Lord's side, He's on your side. And we're going to see that later on in the Scripture, Lord willing. God promises Moses that if they're on His side, then His presence will go with them. In other words, if you're on my side, then I'm on your side. But I'm afraid there's a lot of people spending all their days picking a side and nobody is paying any attention to whether or not they're on the Lord's side. His side is the only side that matters. Moses asked no other question. He didn't ask what tribe they belonged to. He didn't ask whether or not they had sinned. I don't know. It kind of leads me to believe that maybe the sons of Levi had kept themselves separate from the sins of the people. I don't know. Maybe they joined right in. We're not told that. But I find it interesting that the sons of Levi are the only ones that gather themselves unto Moses when the question is asked, Who is on the Lord's side? I want to ask you this morning, who's on the Lord's side? His side's the only side 
that matters. And I want to say if you're on His side, then you'll find things on His side you'll not find on anybody else's side. See, in these days, uh, I'm trying just to follow God. It don't matter about how I kind of had it mapped out. But in these days, everybody flocks to the side based upon the promises that they make. This side over here, and I'm not preaching politics, you don't have to get upset, but it is a reality of our day. People don't pay attention to morals, and the reality is they're all immoral and all corrupt and probably all going to die and go to hell. If they don't get right with God, they're going to die and go to hell. They don't have the people's interest in mind. They're just making a bunch of promises. Number one, they're not going to keep, but even more important than that, they're making promises they cannot keep. And people flock to the side based on the promises that they make. I'm going to tell you, if you're on the Lord's side, there's no promise He's ever made that He can't keep. You don't have to worry about God holding up His end of the bargain. I don't know how many times in my life. I'm 34 years old. I was raised, my family, just to, uh, to tell you, I was raised in a very politically involved family. I mean, that's all I ever heard in my house was politics, politics. My grandmother that raised me was the director of the elections office. And I don't know how many times in my life I've heard people say, well, they promised if we elected them, they would do this and do that but now they got the job and they're not going to hold up their end of the deal well I'm glad you don't have to worry about that with God if he makes you a promise you can take it to the bank it don't matter how bad it gets a lot of them will use excuses well I can't do it I'm glad I never have went to God and said God I need you to do this and him say I can't do it some say they don't have the resources I'm glad I never have went to God and said this is what I need I need help with this and him say I don't have the resources or I don't have the capability or I don't have the power or I don't have the people's approval that's what's kept many people from being able to hold their so called promises as they can't get enough help from the people but I'm glad I serve a God he don't need my help he don't need your help he don't need the church's help he don't need the preacher's help he can do it all by himself that's right that's right see these things on his side his side's the only one that matters and I'm going to say this morning, his side is the only side that you're going to get some of the things that's on my heart this morning. I got four things on my heart as far as I know. I try to follow God and give them to you and then we'll go. Number one, I want to say there's rest on his side. Oh yeah. That's one of the first things he promises Moses. In just a few verses, in verse 14 of chapter 33, he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. See, God knew Moses needed some rest. Moses had been in a bad way. Moses was on the mount talking with God. I don't ever read in the scripture as far as I can tell that Moses ever reveals all that God said when he was on the mountain. But while God was up there and Moses was up there with God, God said, he said, stand back and let me wipe out all this people and I'll raise up another generation out of thee. And Moses said, no Lord, don't do that. You brought us up out of Egypt and they're going to hear that you brought us up just to kill 
us in the wilderness. He said, repent from the evil. Repent from this right that you have in your heart. Let me go down. I'm glad that Moses had such trouble, such war, such agony on the inside over the people of God that God knew he needed some rest. He said, there's rest on my side. I'm going to tell you, rest is necessary in these days. Now I'm talking about spiritual rest. We're living in such a, a war zone, a spiritual war zone. I mean the enemy is fighting with everything in them. It takes everything in us. And thank God we have a helper. We have an advocate. We have a comforter. We have a mediator. We have an empower. We have an indweller of the Spirit of God. But it wears on your body. And as you get physically weak, your spiritual man, there's a very close connection between your physical body and your spiritual body. And when your flesh is weak, even though the Spirit's willing, there needs to be some rest for the people of God. The Bible said there remaineth therefore, thank God, in the book of Hebrews, a rest to the people of God. Jesus said, come unto me in Matthew 11, 28 and 29. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke sees you, my burden so high. And you shall find rest unto your soul. He didn't say rest for your body. He said rest for your soul. Now I understand that physically speaking, it's necessity. It is necessary that our bodies have rest physically. But I'm going to tell you probably even more so, is it necessary for your spiritual man to have some rest? There ought to be some times that you ask God to call you away as He did the disciples. He spoke to them. He said, come ye yourselves apart in the desert place and rest a while. And if he called them away to rest, he'll call us away to rest. Oh, we ought to cut ties with the world and not worry about tomorrow or yesterday or even the things of the day and find ourselves some rest in the Lord. We need some rest. We need some rest. We are living in a day of questioning. Everybody wants to question. I'm going to tell you this morning, you ain't always going to have the answers. And there's nothing, I'm not talking about spiritual ignorance. I'm not talking about just an excuse to slide by. But there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know, it's in the hand of God. I can't worry about it. I can't fret about it. I can't struggle with it. I've got to have some rest inside. And there's rest for you on the Lord's side. The reason there's rest on His side is because we have confidence in Him. That if we're on his side and he's on our side, then he's going to take care of everything and we can trust him. Oh, yeah. The writer said, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon the promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. I'm telling you, there is rest on his side. That's right. But then I want to say there are reinforcements on his side. Can I say, not only of him, if we had nobody else but him, that's all we need anyway. Oh yeah, that's all we need is him. I thought about over yonder, just a few books later, Moses is going to go off the scene and Joshua's going to come on the scene. 
Moses is going to cease to be the leader of the people of God by reason of death. And Joshua's going to pick up where Moses leaves off. And God makes Moses a promise and Joshua a promise. And Moses exhorts and encourages Joshua and the people of God that it will be Joshua that will lead them into Canaan. And so they cross Jordan and land at Gilgal. And the first conquest, see there are wars that have to be fought to possess Canaan. That's why that Canaan in the Old Testament cannot be a type of heaven. It is a type of a victorious Christian life. Now even though there are wars to be fought, God already made them a promise He would go before them and fight their battles for them. If they would trust Him, if they would come on His side and follow Him as their leader and commander, He would take care of all the battles for them. And so their first conquest was the land of Jericho. And the Bible said that Jericho was straightly shut up. They had walls around Jericho that history tells us they could have chariot races around the top. The walls were so thick. And the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, send men, two spies, and they go. Of course, we know the story. They find refuge in Rahab the harlot's house and all the things that go on there and they covenant with her. She said, our, our hearts are melting like wax within us and she never makes mention of anything about them. She said, we're melting like wax. We're afraid because of your God. What He has done. See, we know about you and that you're not skilled in war, that you're not a military people, that you've been bond slaves and bond women and bondmen down yonder in the land of Egypt. We're not afraid of you, but we're afraid of your God. She said, will you make me a covenant that when you come into the land to destroy it, Ain't that something she already knew just based on who their God was that whatever they come up against, they would overcome it because of who He was. They said, we've heard what your God did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, that no other nation could overcome them and you're fewer than all of them, but yet your God delivered them into your hand. She said, will you make us a covenant that when you come in, you'll spare us. They said, well... If you don't tell anybody our business, we're going to put you put this scarlet thread in the window. And they said, when we come in, everybody that's in your house will be saved. And of course, we know the story. It did happen that way. But when the spies came back and they brought a report to Joshua, even though they said that they're afraid, they know about our God, they know His power, this is Joshua's first military conquest as the leader of the nation of Israel. And he's flesh and blood just like you and I. And he's a little bit afraid. And he's up in the middle of the night wondering what to do. Probably pacing back and forth in the tent. He don't want nobody to know. Don't want anybody to see him. I mean, he's supposed to be in charge. He's supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to have the mind of God. But he's afraid. And God says, if you're afraid, go down yonder and look for yourself. God wasn't interested in Joshua seeing the walls or the city or making a plan God was going to show Joshua about whose side was going to win. And Joshua gets down there. He begins to view the city. And the Bible said he turns and he sees a man standing with a sword drawn in his hand. 
And Joshua falls down before him and he said, are you for us or for our adversaries? In other words, he said, are you on our side or their side? And he said, nay, neither. Uh, It's not about you, Joshua, and it ain't about them. He said, I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. He said, it's his side that's going to overcome. And I believe you can not agree. It doesn't matter. We can agree to disagree. I believe that day, standing at Jericho, I think God took Joshua's mind all the way back to Exodus 32 and verse 26 when Moses asked who is on the Lord's side. And Joshua said, it's about God's side. Not my side, but God's side. But thank God this morning, I can't do it and neither can you. That was taught in the Sunday school hour. I can't face the battle. I can't fight the enemy in my own power but thank God there's reinforcements on his side there's someone bigger than us living in us someone bigger than us more powerful than us more powerful than our adversary is living inside of us and there's reinforcements on God's side now I don't want to do any discredit to him but I'm glad they're also reinforcements that we are in the battle together. Sometimes we feel like we're all alone. Sometimes we feel like we're the only ones. We feel like old Elijah over yonder in the cave when he said, I've been very jealous. He said, I'm no better than my father's. Just take my life now. I'm the only one that's serving you, God. He said, get up, Elijah. I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed, bowed the knee to bell nor kissed his image. He said, there's more than just you on my side. Sometimes in our life, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I feel like maybe I'm the only one on His side. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. The reality is, if I was the only one and you were the only one, as long as it was His side, it really don't matter. It don't matter. But it does our heart good to know that there's others in the battle with us. I thought about, and I know those are spiritual things and spiritual representations, but I believe it can also be applied to the people of God. I thought about that day, you know. Seems like I've mentioned a lot here lately, but maybe it's just the reality of our day when old Elisha and the servant was down yonder and he was giving uh, uh, direction to the king of Israel about what the king of Syria was doing. And the king of Syria got mad, thought there's a spy in the camp. He, they said, no, there's no spy, but there's a man of God down yonder in Israel. And he's telling the king of Israel, everything you're doing, all your plans, all your preparations, the king of Syria gets mad and sends his mighty men. They come past the city. Elisha's servant walks out. He said, alas, master, how shall we do? There's more with them than there is of us. And Elisha bowed down. He said, Oh Lord, would you open his eyes that he may see? Sometimes I'm afraid we're blinded to the fact that there's reinforcements on God's side. Number one, we're blind to the fact whose side we're on in the first place. And somebody said, me and God make the majority. The reality is God makes the majority all by Himself, with or without us. But thank God we're not in this alone either. God's put us in the fight together. In the family together. We're all serving the same captain. Uh, under the same instructions. Uh, fighting against the same enemy. Uh, going to the same heaven. Uh, thank God we're in this together. There are reinforcements on His side. 
The Bible said God opened His eyes and looked around and all around the city where those where all His focus was on the king of Syria's chariots and horses. Now He sees horses of fire and chariots of fire all around them. And Elisha says, it ain't like you thought. He said, be of good cheer. There be more with us than there be with them. See, just a few minutes ago, the servant boy was saying, there's more of them than there are of us. But when God opened his eyes and he realized whose side they were on, and not only that, but who was on their side, he realized there's more with us than there is with them. God help us to realize on his side Regardless, and there are going to be days that we're going to have days in our life just like Apostle Paul did when he said at my first answer no man stood with me, all men forsook me. But he said the next verse, notwithstanding, the Lord stood by me. And if we can realize whose side we're on, if we're on the Lord's side, there are reinforcements in Him and in the people of God on the Lord's side. Have you ever experienced and I... I'm satisfied some of you have. I know I have as a preacher. Went into a church, maybe one I've never even been to before. Walk in, feel like I'm on the bottom, feel like I'm the only one, feel like nothing's going right. I, I get up to the pulpit, I preach to a bunch of people I don't even know, and God let it dawn on me and open my eyes that we're all in this together. There are reinforcements on the Lord's side. What a blessing. I'm glad there is reinforcements on his side. I'm glad there's rest on his side. Then I thought about I'm glad there's refreshing on his side. I'm glad when you feel like you can't go on, I'm glad on his side. If you belong to him, he'll help you in them days you can't. I thought about old Elijah sat down under the juniper tree Wished for himself that he could die and fell asleep. The Bible said the angel of the Lord came, awoke him, had cakes of bread baked and a vessel of water, and he said, Arise, Elijah, drink and eat. He drank and ate, fell back asleep. The angel of God woke him again and said, Arise and eat, for the journey's too great for thee. Now I'm going to tell you, the reality that we can make, that we must make, the application we must make in our New Testament age from that Scripture is that this life, this journey, this Christian walk is too great for us. That is, in our flesh, in our power, in our efforts. That's why we got so much trouble in our churches. Everybody's trying to do it in their own effort. That's why we got problems in the pulpits. His men are trying to do it in their own effort. That what we're doing here this morning is too great for us. But there's somebody inside of us that it's not too great for Him. And when we feel like we can't go on, when we feel like we are all alone, when we feel like we don't have the strength, when we feel like we can't put one foot in front of the other, I thank God there's some refreshing from another world that takes place inside of us. The Apostle Paul said, though the outward man perish, yet the inner man's renewed day by day. Thank God for renewal. I'm talking about spiritual renewal. Times of refreshing. 
times when He's carried us. I've mentioned it before and I feel like I need to mention it again. We've heard it so much all our life and I don't know all about the writer that wrote it, but I thank God let him see some things about that footprints in the sand. He said, I don't understand, Lord. All the times it was the hardest. All the times I didn't think I could make it. All the times I couldn't go. He said, I only see one set of footprints and that's when I needed you the most. He said, you don't understand, child. That's when I picked you up and carried you through. Thank God there's refreshing. You can't do this in yourself. You can't. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, Christ liveth in me. The only way you can live the Christian life is for Christ to live in you. I think we got two problems in our churches today. I think we got a problem of folks that are not really saved trying to act like they are saved. And then we got folks that are saved trying to live their Christian walk to try to please everybody else in the power and the efforts of the flesh. And both of them produce defeat and discouragement and despair. You can't live it if the liver's not in you. And if he is inside you, he must live through you for you to live the Christian life. That's what Paul said. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. Thank God for refreshments on His side. Thank God for that. And then I'm done this morning. I kind of already made mention of this, but I'll mention it again. I'm glad there's reassurance on his side. I thought about old Gideon down yonder in the valley. Hiding. The Midianites are coming up and they're taking everything they got. He's got a little bit of wheat and he's not up on the mountaintop on the threshing floor, but he's down yonder in the valley at the wine press. And he's hiding it from the Midianites. I think that's where we are. Spiritually speaking, I think we ought to be able to identify. There's two scriptures in my heart that we ought to be able to identify with greater in these days than probably the people of God have ever been able to. And that's Judges 6 and Acts 27. That's where we are today. We're in the valley doing what we can with what we have. And all of the gates of hell... And all the foes of Satan are fighting the church. I'm glad Christ made us a promise that He would build His church and even the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Sometimes we feel like we're that one man down yonder in the valley. And we're not even sure sometimes. I'm preaching right this morning. We're not even sure sometimes if God's still for us. That's where Gideon was. He said if the Lord is for us, if He is with us, where be all His miracles? Where's them old days that our fathers and grandfathers told us of? And I hear that so much today. What about 100 years ago? Well, God's still the same God. We can't live in the past. We got the God of today. And Gideon said, I need some reassurance. The Lord said, you'll smite the Midianites as one man. He said, oh my Lord, 
wherewith shall I save Israel? He said, my family's poor in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. He said, I can't do this. The Lord said, surely I'll be with thee. I'm going to tell you in these days, it's not about who you are as far as your work is concerned. It's not about what family you belong to, how much money you have, how much you don't have, how long you've been in the church, how long you've been. None of that matters. It's about who is with you. See, Gideon was so hung up on who he was in himself, his ability, his qualifications, that he failed to see that the Lord qualified him. Somebody said, and I understand that there are qualifications for certain offices in the Bible, and I'm not talking about that. You know that. But someone made the statement, but the Lord doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And Gideon is proof of that. If I was God and if you were God, we'd have chose anybody else but Gideon. We would not have chose somebody, it wasn't even from a whole tribe, just a half tribe of Manasseh. The other half stayed on the other side of Jordan. He's not even from a whole tribe. And he's the least. He said, and my family is poor in that tribe and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon just kept getting lower and lower and lower. Gideon was trying to tell the angel of the Lord that he was not qualified to do what the Lord wanted him to do. And the Lord said, I'm not interested in you being qualified. He said, I'll qualify you for I have called thee. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now we wouldn't make that statement if we were God knowing what Gideon was fixing to say, but the Lord made that statement knowing that what Gideon was going to say about himself, but it was not who Gideon was that made him a mighty man. It was the fact that the Lord was with him. And Gideon's in such bad shape, he's talking face to face with the Lord. And there's no room for disagreement on that because a few verses later, a lot of people want to argue about all that. Anytime in the Word of God you see the angel of the Lord It is a representation of the pre-incarnate Christ. And there's no debate for that in this scripture because a few verses later Gideon said, I have seen the Lord face to face. He didn't see His glory, but he saw an express image of Him and spoke to Him. But Gideon is such in, in such bad shape, he don't even realize, he don't even believe he's talking to the Lord when the Lord's talking to him. He said, I need a sign that you talketh with me. I need a sign that it's really you. I need some reassurance is what Gideon's saying. You ever been there? You just need some reassurance that everything... See, what the Lord was saying is, I'm with you, and because I'm with you, not because of who you are, not because of who your family is, not because of your tribe or your social standing, but because I'm with you, it will be okay. Sometimes in our life we lose sight of the fact that it doesn't matter about all those other things. It's about the fact that the Lord is with us. We're on His side and He's on ours. Of course, we know the story. Gideon goes home. He said, if I go and prepare a meal and bring it back to you and you're still here, then I'll know that you speak with me. And it was so. And Gideon rejoiced in it. But just a few verses later, Gideon's needing some reassurance again. He's saying, I just need to know that you really want me to do what you're asking me to do. And he lays the fleece out. He says, one time let it be dry, the next time let it be wet. And it was so. It was so. 
And by the way, God didn't leave anything to debate or question. Gideon said, let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. And if God had put one drop of water on the fleece, he'd have done what Gideon asked. But the Bible said he thrust it together and wrung a bowl full of water out of it. God, was, God knew the frame of Gideon. That's what David said. He remembereth our frame, even that we're dust. He knows how we think. And that His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts higher than ours. But thank God there's reassurance on His side. God never has kicked anybody out. Any of His children that's ever come and said, Lord, I just need to be reassured that You're still with me, that everything's okay, that we need that in this day. Thank God there is some reassurance on His side. Are you on the Lord's side this morning? If you're on the Lord's side, you've got all you need. He's all you need. He's all you need. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the people of God. But the Lord is what makes us who we are. The Lord is the common denominator in all of this. Without Him, we'd be nothing. Nothing. Without Him, we'd be nothing. Somebody wrote a song to that effect. I'm telling you this morning, if we did not have Him, it'd be a bad day for us. But if we're on His side, Moses stood in the gate. He said, who's on the Lord's side? Let Him come to me. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I'll be done. I didn't even know if I'd make mention of this, but I feel like I need to and I'll close. If you're on the Lord's side, sometimes you're going to have to side against the way you feel. You have to side against your feelings if you're on the Lord's side. I was talking with somebody this week and they made a statement. It's kind of, I guess they were trying to defend unscriptural things. And they said, well, you know, if it feels good, and this was a good person, a church person. They said, well, if it feels good you know, and you feel the Spirit in it, you know it's right. Well, the reality is if it goes against this, then you know it's wrong. And if it lines up with this, you know it's right regardless of how we feel about it. Regard, your feelings will get you in trouble. If they run contrary to this Bible, they will get you in trouble. In the book of Acts 27, they felt the south wind blow. And they went on their feelings instead of on the Word of God from the man of God. And it got them in trouble. Now I'm going to tell you, sometimes being on the Lord's side means you'll side against the way you feel. It'll always mean you side against your flesh. Sometimes you'll side against figures. Lord, this don't add up. If you're on the Lord's side, it don't matter whether it adds up or not. It didn't add up that Joshua and those few Israelites in comparison with the others and their capacity and ability for war could go in and take the city of Jericho. But it didn't matter how it figured, they were on God's side. And I want to say, I think there's an application we can take from this scripture. I want you to hear me this morning and I'm done. Sometimes being on the Lord's side, you'll have to side against your family and against your friends when you're on the Lord's side. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. There's no bend in it, no twist in it, no gray area. If God said it's right, then it's right. And if God said it's wrong, it's wrong, no matter what our family and friends say or do. 
And I'm afraid we're living in a day where everybody wants to broadcast and it's sin so long as our family is not a partaker in it. But let it come to our house. And suddenly it's not as bad as what we always thought. If it was sin, and, and, and I know probably everything comes to your mind, but I'm telling you, if it was sin from day one, it's sin today. God never said, be ye happy. He said, be holy. Happiness is irrelevant. We have joy, not happiness. Happiness is temporary. Happiness revolves around and is built upon the happenings of your life. We're to be holy. And in our strive to be holy by the one living inside of us, it produces joy in us despite our happenings. We're living in 2023 and the, 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 the phrase of the age is happy looks good on you. It's not about happiness. It's about holiness for the people of God. We've traded holiness for happiness in our day. And I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. There have been times in my life, not glorify me, but there have been times that for me to take the position with the Lord's side, I've had to be against, and it doesn't mean I don't love them, that I don't care for them, that I don't pray for them, that I'm not concerned for them, but you can't compromise for friends and family and still be on the Lord's side. The Lord's side does not promote holding hands with the world and hands with God at the same time. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But I'm promising you this morning if you're on His side. I'm not saying there won't be days you might not lay awake at night and wonder about your family and wonder about your friends and try to figure it out and it don't figure up and your feelings just don't line up and uh, certainly your flesh is... I'm not saying there won't be those nights but if you're on His side, there's rest for you in the inner man. There's reinforcements to pick you up when you're weak. There is reassurance to let you know that everything's going to be alright when you're on the Lord's side. We can't bend and compromise. We're either on the Lord's side. Moses stood in the gate, which was a place of going in and out. And Moses said, it's time to make a choice. Are you on the Lord's side or not? Elijah stood on Mount Carmel, and I think that's the message that needs to be preached today. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord is God, serve Him. And if Baal is God, serve Him. But we're going to know today who is God. He said, you're either on the Lord's side or not. Moses said, you're either on the Lord's side or you're not. I'm glad on the Lord's side there's help for us. On the Lord's side, there's contentment and satisfaction It don't mean we won't have Gideon days in the valley where we wonder about the purpose of God and wonder about the presence and even the promise of God. That's what Gideon was saying. Where's all those miracles that our fathers told us of? Where's the promise of God? I'm going to tell you, God always comes through. It may not come through the way you think, how you think, when you think, but He'll always come through. You can rest assured if you're on the Lord's side. 
I hope maybe it's helped you this morning. Father, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity, Lord, to be able to be in the house of God. I thank you, Lord, this morning for the opportunity to assemble together, Lord, in this congregation with this group of people. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's come today. I pray your blessings, Lord, upon those who are not able to be here.